Welcome to the Connection Podcast. I'm Jason Keister, the show's producer, here with hosts Drew Boreen and Lexi DeLuna. Let's get ready to connect with somebody new today. All right, welcome to the Connection Podcast. We've got all sorts of special guests here today we're happy about. First of all, first time in studio, second time as a guest, Reed Stockwell, Bishop of First Ward. You're not gonna. You're not gonna intro yourself at no, all. No, I'm, okay. I am Reed. I am here. It's good to be here with our guest today. All right, and we have longtime listener, first time guest host Corinne Bell, also a first ward. Yeah, who first ward way to represent today? I love this podcast, so I hope we. It's exciting to be here. To be honest. And then we have uh, guest of honor that we're super happy about. <laughs> We have Lauren Bell of, of First Ward. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, my name is Lauren Bell, and I like long walks on the beach and smooth-talking hucksters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> she found her place. Guys, I, She's comfortable. There's a mic such, in front of her. It is such a nice day outside. I'm just thinking about ice cream right now. Mm. But but Reed's on a diet. He won't let me order him ice cream today. I'll eat it. If forced, don't worry. All right. Get it, I'll eat. What is your favorite kind of ice cream, Reed? Oh, mine? Yeah. Uh, I like anything with fruit in it. I mean, strawberries. Uh, one of the best things I make is vanilla bean ice cream with pomegranate seeds over the top of it with dark chocolate syrup. It is incredible. So and unique. why haven't I been invited yet? I don't know. Well, it's not pomegranate season and and it's special, I said. <laughs> okay. Too special. Wait, you're saying he's not special enough for your ice cream? Because <laughs> no right now. Reed, I just is, live a couple blocks down too. Yeah, right. And my ice cream's not uh, my favorite, but I'll, I'll eat that well, ice that, cream. That and a uh, cranberry shake. So you take vanilla bean ice cream, cranberry juice, and blend it and it's Tart, but it's that's just awesome. Maybe someday I'll get invited. Le yeah, Reed I'll is pretty it. liberal with his best friend title. <laughs> he tends to throw that around. I think he has three or four best Reed's friends. A burrito friend. Okay, he does, you do get me a burrito. What about you, Corinne? What's your favorite kind? <sighs> to be totally honest with you, my family doesn't love this. I don't love ice cream. I want a warm cookie. Okay. <laughs> But if I was going for ice cream, I usually get Oreo or mint chocolate chip. Audible to the cookie. Okay. Mint okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on I the mint chocolate chip. I can do chip. the mint chocolate chip, but I would much rather you hand me over a warm cookie. Have you thought cookie. about two big mint chocolate chips with a slab of ice cream in between it? <laughs> have, you have, tried, um, have you tried insomnia cookies? I have not even heard of insomnia mm, cookies. I will, I will order some insomnia cookies next and time we're what are these magic cookies? It's it's a it's a place downtown. I like it more than crumble. Camille yeah. will argue with me on oh. that. Oh, and they're just like good thing the twos aren't in our ward anymore. They're warm <laughs> and they they taste homemade like homemade cookies. Insomnia cookies. Insomnia. Oh, I'm gonna have to get some of those. And and let me know. Or next time we hang out, I'll just order some. Okay. Yep. <laughs> What they're about so good, you, they're going to put me to sleep. Exactly. I'm, I'm curious, what, what about you, Lauren? Are you um, an ice cream hater as well? No, no, no. 
I hope you heard my sigh audibly when um, Corinne says she didn't like ice cream. I was I was super <laughs> disappointed too. <laughs> it's a bell thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bells love ice cream. Movies <laughs> and ice cream. So if you have bell blood, you it's love true. ice cream. That ain't the truth. Um, <laughs> as much chocolate you can possibly stuff into a half gallon container. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I'm I'm with you, Corinne. I have evolved. My my palate has changed over time. I used to be a, a chocolate, and now I'm mint chocolate chip mm. all day. That's Tony. Because I love the yeah. taste of toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> now you've ruined mint chocolate. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> all right, well, Lauren, let's let's get started here. Mm-hmm. Could you introduce yourself? Thinking about well, this is going to happen for you pretty soon. So think about going to a new ward. And you're asked to speak. How would you introduce yourself? Let's go. Hi, my name is Lauren Bell, and I like long walks on the beach. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> probably like, hey, I'm Lauren. How's it going? I don't know. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what's the origin story of Lauren Bell? In a hospital in Denver, Colorado, <laughs> at midnight on July 10th, 2005. <laughs> See, I'm trying to like, I'll do a time jump, like seven, 17 years. Um, I'm Lauren. I like to read. I like running. I like the beach. I really like the beach. I want to go into marine biology um, eventually and be a scientist. Um, I like being outside. I, yeah. And speaking of marine biology, so in our notes actually here, and you, you led me down a rabbit hole, by the way, so thank you for that. <laughs> you said that you can tell us anything related to jellyfish, and I'm interested in that. Anything is a pretty broad term, but I'll try. <laughs> you put the word anything. Just yeah, you did. Anything. anything. I, you put the word anything. I wrote the notes in the wee hours of the night. Okay, the most deadly <laughs> jellyfish? Those are box jellyfish. That's right. Ooh. Box jellyfish, which Terrifying had stuff. enough venom in them to kill 60 men. Oh, my That's goodness. Right. Exactly. I did not do my men. homework, so yeah. you guys no. can all teach me about jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I read National Geographic for kids. So, <laughs> that yeah. is the best place Education. to go. <laughs> Have you ever seen a jellyfish? Oh, yes. What kind of question is that? Well, I mean, you ever held one in your like, have, yeah, oh, of course. Give me my next one. Well, here the, and uh, didn't you catch one somewhere when we were on vacation? You can find a whole bunch; they're everywhere. Um, the ones that you can touch live on the coast are like the moon jellies, and this is gonna take me down the rabbit hole. Are you ready for this? Go for it. Okay, teach me. The kind wisely. of jellyfish that you can touch on the coast depend on if they're actual jellyfish or not. So the true jellies that you can touch on the coast are the moon jellies, and those are the pancake ones that you find washed up, um, and the really small kinds. And you'll find those all over the place. But there's also sea gooseberries. And those aren't jellyfish at all, but they look a lot like them. They're called tenophores. But they don't have they don't have stingers, to put it like simply. Um, they're really small. They're all over the beach. And if you find a blob of something on the coast, that's probably a sea gooseberry, which is an unstinging jellyfish. Oh, that's they're very cool. That's totally good information to have. Exactly. So you can just go nuts when you see them. So you're saying the majority of the ones here are non stingy? Yeah, so in there's Oregon? only a couple. Um, the lion's mane, those will sting you. They're, they're like really big. Mm-hmm. They have like really long tentacles. I think they're the biggest species pretty much in the world. Like on the coast, they don't get small because it's cold. Um, trying to think what else. I think that's the big one. It's the, the main. T- what are the smallest ones? Because I swam through a bunch of them in Southern California and just got them 
all over my face, which explains so much now, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but then they sting, but they you know they're so tiny. It was just more like a like a bee sting. Almost. I'm not sure. They're probably warmer water ones. I couldn't really tell you. <laughs> warm warm water. Warm water jellyfish. I suppose. Jellyfish exactly. Ah. so you really attract jellyfish, though. I'm I like, do. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like a piece <laughs> well, you know what it is. You know what it is. It's that they have no brain and no heart. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> He's been waiting all day for that one. Oh, I, I have been waiting. <laughs> he has all been day. waiting Just for that one. Nailed it. <laughs> Bam. Bam. <laughs> Right between his third eye. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's start going around here, guys. So, Reed, what, what questions do you have for Lauren? Well, the first one is, is you do so much. How do you keep your life in order? What, how do you do as much as you do? And how do you organize yourself to do that? Hmm. First, talk about some of the things, that, all the stuff you do. A, a, a normal day for Lauren. Um, I'm trying to think. During the school year... It's usually wake up like 20 minutes before seminary starts and then get dressed as fast as humanly possible and go to seminary and go to school. Um, and then I'll either go to practice or go to work, depending on when of the year it is, I suppose. And practice for what and work for work where? Practice for track or cross country or work. I work at a little cookie dough place. Um, super fun. And I'll do that in the place of sports if <laughs> if it's not in season. Um, and then I'll usually go home, get some homework done, and then go hit the town, depending on <laughs> what I'm planning for that night. Go paint the town red. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. That's a day. <laughs> All right. And so how do how do you do it? I mean, you 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 take on a lot of roles at home too. You're the you're the eldest, and you do a lot there, and so um, you carry a lot of responsibilities with you, right? Mm -hmm. So what, how, how do you order your life though? Because it's obviously, you're not shooting from the hip. You've, you've got your priorities established. I would say that I am flying by the seat of my pants at least 80% of the time, but thank you. That means a lot to hear. It means I'm doing something right. Um, there's this thing on an iPhone called a notes app and that carries the entirety of my life on its shoulders. Everything is on there. It's bad. You could, if I were ever accused of a crime, they could find every last minute detail of my life in my notes app. <laughs> it's not good. But anyway, that's where I put to-do lists and schedules and stuff. It's all in one spot. So I guess that's one way. Oh, well, that's a great way to do it. Practicality-wise. Okay. I like that a lot. Um, gosh, that's a, that's a good tip for you, at least, Reed. You know, start writing stuff down. Yeah. Oh, notes yeah. app. That would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> Don't shoot from the hip. I try to rely just on other people that I assume know what I'm doing that day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seems to work like 50% of the time. We all need an executive secretary. Yeah, we do. It's a great thing. Yeah, why can't you just have that? That's what I'm asking. I've been yeah. asking trying that for years. to raise tests to do it. <laughs> this isn't quite years. there. Exactly. Turns what out it? she's not good at like stenography and stuff like that. She's she does not, not quite yet. She'll get Her there. typing skills are not quite where I need them to be. <laughs> what did you uh, run in track? The 800. Ooh. Gotta be totally honest, I was never actually fantastic at running in general, but I really enjoyed doing it, so that's why I stuck with it. Yeah, the yeah but wait, you, you PR'd a few times, and you did make it. She's so humble right now. Yeah. And a humble about her time. She's so humble. But you made it to the Oregon Relays in that medley. And did mm -hmm. you PR that day? I did. Hayward. If anything, we did not get in last. But, 
you PR'd. And didn't you PR a couple times? Like it's mm-hmm. at districts, didn't you PR? Mm-hmm. That was a wild race. In it my was a wild race, but you held on. I did. I went on. for clarification. Mm-hmm. The first 400, I went out at maybe like 65 seconds. Ooh, and I am not a 65 a, second 400 that's a fast type gal. Pace. Yeah. I died. In all fairness, she was in lane eight, which makes she's you're in front of everyone, so she has no exactly. idea where anybody yeah, else is. Yeah, you kind I, of I died very it. quickly, yeah. to say the least. But it was so fun because the fastest team in the state right now. I have a picture of me in front of one of their runners, and that's all I wanted out of that race. Actually, it was just that picture of me beating her. This is fantastic. How it started, how it ended, according to the picture. Exactly. No. <laughs> they don't need to know for, anything for else except for that I beat her. No, yeah, you were in front. <laughs> See, I just, those district and state meets, I just like getting the sweater, you know? <laughs> just, I went here. <laughs> I made it. I got the hoodie. <laughs> Corinne, what, what, what did you want to get into? Oh, first, Lauren is very humble. She Aww. does a lot. I'm getting that. I'm um, getting the humble here. She is still hilarious, but very humble about all that she does. I'm I, blushing. I'm pretty sure her dad's going to miss all the help as she goes off to school. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there's one thing that I didn't know about Lauren, and I need you to know I have lived by Lauren her entire life. That July 10th, I was pretty sure I saw her, probably one of the first people to see her. Um, but I did not know this story about you breaking your second grade teacher's wrist. Yeah. I need this story. Try to figure out how to begin. Me and my teacher already were on thin ice. We did not enjoy each other's company, say the least. Um, and one day during a spelling test, I I tended to sit in some pretty strange positions. And this particular day, my leg was stuck in the aisle, as a second grader does. Um, <laughs> as she was walking by, she may have tripped over my leg and fallen, and we heard a snap audibly Ooh. in the room. Like you heard it? Mm -hmm. Oh, ow. Then she may have gone home early. (laughs) She stayed and finished the spelling test and then she went home. But the next day she came in and showed the class the x-rays and made unblinking eye contact with me. (laughs) As she explained how her wrist was broken and how long she would have to have the cast on. (laughs) And I remember sitting there and feeling emotions that I had never felt before. As I looked, as I watched her explain her broken femur, not femur, her broken arm. It was bad. It was rough. Femur would have been something. <laughs> femur yeah. would have been I apologize. You weren't trying hard enough. No. So the next question <laughs> is, is she still a teacher? I lost track of her. Not going to oh. lie. I have don't not, know if she's still at Yolanda. I haven't looked in. She's in Yolanda. She she's went to Bertha. She taught at Bertha Holtz. Oh, they were still there. So I kind of lost right. lost tabs on her for a little bit. I hope she's doing all right. Was she at Yolanda? <laughs> no, and I, Lauren was still at Bertha Holtz then. Mm-hmm. I lived oh, over in Eugene. Oh. So did she right. ever directly confront you about it and say, I know what you did? <laughs> well, I mean, what are you going to do if, to a second grader? She, she did not like me through the remainder of the year. Did you get a good test score? That's all I know. Because that was a test. I couldn't remember. I think I was too phased from <laughs> the unblinking, the unbroken eye contact when she was explaining her x-rays. <laughs> we spent 20 minutes on the subject. I remember it was terrifying. <laughs> terrifying day. Would you do it again? That's <laughs> oh, wow. If I'd consider it. strikes again, yeah. <laughs> Go if for a bigger be. limb, uh, larger bone or something. This time the femur. Yeah. This t- 
Boomer. It's Just a, kidding. It's a bit. It's a challenge bone. You really have to go for it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think I <laughs> stretch myself. <laughs> uh, have you ever broken a bone? Can't say I have. Oh, which okay. is fantastic because I've broken hers. Because when Lauren was a toddler, I'm really surprised. I might embarrass her, but she was the cutest stinking toddler ever. But she was the busiest toddler ever. If I ever babysat her, I couldn't take my eyes off her. There was one time they had a ledge that sat against our stairwell with nothing. I mean, it was like <laughs> the size of the window pane. And I look over and Lauren's crawling out on it. And so I get her off that, and then a then, few minutes later, I look, and she's in my backyard, head first into this wishing well. <laughs> so she must be very limber, but very curious, which has stuck with her. But I'm surprised. Yeah, no broken bones. Well, we just had an event. We just had you up on the rocks over at, uh, over at the rock climbing over mm-hmm. in Eugene, and you went up three times and rappelled down mm-hmm. like she had been doing it all her life. She was just comfortable with she it, was like a spider this. woman. Good and times. Went up there and was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to go up the hard way. I'm going to go the easy way. I'm going to go up again. And like, holy cow, mm-hmm. she's wearing the rope out herself. <laughs> it was awesome. That's fine. Like, I love rock climbing. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it in school. Possibly. <laughs> Well, I don't know. BYU will definitely have some good some good joints. They for, have some outdoor for climbing some rocks. Awesome, yeah. Well, I I'd like to ask you about your first time in the temple because that was another story you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was twelve, I had the opportunity to go for the first time with my dad and my stepmom, who had reached, who had gotten married to my dad like maybe four years prior. Um, and. This is going to go like, this is going to jump straight from like shallow to deep really quickly. But <laughs> my biological mother left the church. And so it was really exciting to have some, to have someone there, to have two people there specifically, um, to my dad and someone who filled a role of mother in my life at the temple with me. And it was a really spiritual experience. And I had a great time. What what made that? So how old are you the first time you go into the temple? I was 12. It was before like they 12? changed the rule. Yeah. So what, what? Tell us more about that day and what it, what made it special. I mean, I definitely understanding the the family component of it for sure, mm-hmm. but maybe tell us more about what made that day, um, you know, special for you. I had found most of the names on my own. Some of them were from my grandparents, though, and that was really cool to be able to to have like specific connections or like be able to look on the family tree where these people were from and like what their lives were like. That was such a cool experience to kind of like dip my toes into family history. Um, I'm trying to think. I think I mostly just remember how I felt and how I felt really excited at first, but it almost like settled down and became like, it sounds so cliche, but like peaceful. Like, I don't know. I have, I have the kind of brain that goes a million miles per minute. And I can't tell. What are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> sure about that? And it was really cool to be able to experience not that at the temple. <laughs> It just felt like things slowed down a little bit, and that was really cool. Yeah, and I I totally can relate to you on the idea of just going there and submitting your own names. And I I felt that connection, bringing our own kids and be able to use our own names, but also going on these trips with the youth from our church and being able to see them, you know, be set apart by their dad or or baptized by their older brother 
you know, for, for somebody that's a member of their family and somebody they maybe know something about. Um, yeah. Not to say that every trip to the temple isn't special, but that just adds a little bit to it, yeah. I think. Far more personal. I mean, it really mm -hmm. links you to that individual. It's like special in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just thinking, too, um, going to the temple with your family, because um, I think you guys have had the opportunity to do that too. Um, tell maybe just Corinne and, and Reed tell us a little bit about the uniqueness or or what makes that special. I think just being able, especially when your kids are of the age where they can go. Oh, that's awesome! I, I, well, I remember the first time we went was in Los Angeles Temple ages ago, and it was with the warden with some family members. We were converts to the church, so for us. First time, and back then they baptized you for like 30 or 40 people each, and we had a large ward. And so I could just imagine the poor bishop just, you know, dunking 900 people or something. I mean, it's, it's huge. <laughs> like, and, why are my arms yeah, sore? I don't <laughs> but it, I, you know, it's a, I, I like the fact that uh, that's where you kind of understand the, um, the eternal nature of the law. Um, the plan of salvation, and you realize how it links everybody together, and how that priesthood power and those uh, ordinance and covenants are so powerful that we just understand just a a, a sliver of it. It's so deep, and but you feel things there at the temple. You, you may because it's so symbolic. You probably don't understand it, and it's hard to hard to put into words. But you feel things that I think are are uh, so spiritually based. And so deep that you want to know more, and that's why for mm -hmm. me, going to the temple and especially with the family when you can do that, it, I think the spirit of the family or that feeling of family is given to us to understand that that's a type of what yeah. Heavenly Father feels for us and how he how he yearns for us and cares for us and will do anything possible for us to be able to be together. I, I like that. And and so what I'm understanding, at least getting from you, is you feel that connectedness to your own family, but you also can almost hear God's voice saying, you're mine and you're part of my family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is what family feels like. Yeah. And this is, the, I mean, it, it seems to be the eternal nature. That's the real thing. It's all about having all the children come home again. Yeah. What are, Any thoughts? Corinne? Or? Um, a few. They're different than reads, though, um, because of the oh, age. Oh, they can't be different than I know, that's crazy. Well, be, <laughs> it's crazy we'll to think differently. <laughs> um, the, because of the difference in my kids' ages, um, I have to be honest, I don't think I have gotten to go with them on their youth baptisms, because when Carter was old enough to go, our two others were too young and they were too young to be left alone. And Kevin was also in the young men. So he, we just said, well, you go and I'll take the littles. And now on the flip side with Madeline, she's only been twice. Um, and both times I wasn't able to go. But as Reed was talking, I was thinking about um, there was a time when we were all as a family in the temple um, because Madeline is adopted. And so we did get to go 
to the temple. Obviously, there wasn't a McKay yet, but we did get to go <laughs> into the temple, and it was fun to see my two littles um, in white and come into this celestial, not the celestial, the ceiling room, excuse me. But then as, you know, as your kids are growing and you're trying to get to the temple, which is so hectic and so crazy that a lot of times Kevin and I would just take them with us. He would go in, I would keep them at the visitor center, and then we'd flip-flop. Um, and I always enjoyed those times. And like Lauren, it's crazy to get to the temple a lot of times, but the peace. I always feel such peace there that that's what I crave a lot of times. Like Lauren was saying, it's just so peaceful to be quiet for a little bit. Yeah. So I've I felt that way. I mean, so Kevin, Kevin would stay in the car and then you'd go in and you guys would trade off that way. That's good. Yeah. But that had, I, I was going to say the feeling of that would have been, this really is peace for a mom with as busy as you are. And pre-McKay, you said? Well, we even did it when they're with McKay because, yeah. I mean, sometimes to make it there for that amount of time is very difficult to find someone to hang with your kids that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will have to make so, sure we get you. They're getting there. Oh, I just went. I just went. I t dumped my kids and said, Kevin, you get them to school. I'm going to Portland. So yeah. I just did we that did two weeks nice. ago. Well done, well, you friend. Well I know. Done. And thankfully, he's very supportive and said, do it. So yeah. here you go. Well, Reed, what else did you want to talk about? Well, there's uh, she. We talked about being a reader, an obsessive reader. Obsessive. Right? <laughs> well, what, oh, sure, yeah. Let's say psychotic. Let's say read, compulsive. Psychotic reader. Exactly. What do you read? What do you like the best? Um, the best of the best. The best. I think. I'd say top two genres, probably like historical fiction and then nonfiction. Ooh, Ooh like what nonfiction? Um. Like, is there certain things I that like, draw you or just anything? I like encyclopedias, but really? I like the ones that are like the wait, illustrated wait, 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 ones. Wait, wait, hold on. They still exist? They most certainly do. You have to do. Google it. They're they most there. certainly do. <laughs> are they grandmas? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites is from 1978. <laughs> she does encyclopedia memes. Okay, but did you get them from grandma? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> what was the one that Encyclopedia Britannica? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. My parents didn't like that. Was, to that was that was our one, Google yeah. from yeah. the library. Oh, of course, of course. There's some good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. I have specifically. Um, I have an illustrated dinosaur encyclopedia, and that is probably one of my favorite books that I own ever because all of the pictures are slightly scientifically inaccurate because that's the one from 1978. Um. <laughs> And it's fantastic. I like it. One of my favorite books, definitely. I like that. I, I'm a nonfiction person, so I don't read anything that's fiction. Extremely real. And so everything, I watch fiction because that's what it's for. That's what all this <laughs> CG stuff, CGI stuff is for. You can make up anything you want. Mm -hmm. But reading, so, but you had mentioned some other books that were interesting to you that are oh? fiction. You're fiction. I'm trying to think. Fiction-wise, big Little Prince fan. Love Little Prince. Um, I'm trying to think. I just forgot every single book I've read in my entire life. Oh, I love The Book Thief. The Book Thief is one of my favorite books ever. Um, it's a fantastically well-written book. I like it. What's your favorite trilogy? Trilogy? Yeah. Gotta go with The Hunger Games. Oh, Hunger Games. Okay. Solid series. Oh, there you go. 
How many times do you read a book? Like if you read it, like you just said the book, do you read it multiple times or is once and you just remember it and you loved it? Or do you ever pick it back up and do There'll it There'll be like a year and a half long gap in between each read. But I will definitely reread books I like. Um, speaking of books, unless Jason had another question about books. Oh, let's go. Let's go. We, I, we, I imagine we, that we, we were just yeah. talking and you have a question on here that what, how do I read it? Something that you're currently learning and you put down personal finance. And so I'd like to know if your dad has created a book list for you about personal finance. And if so, which books has he They're most suggested? Are. There most certainly is. There are three books that I am required to read before I leave. And those three books are as follows. The Richest Man in Babylon. <laughs> Shoot, what's the title, Corinne? Help me out here. Which one? The, the Wealthy Barber? Wealthy Barber. And then... The Millionaire Next Door. Yep, that's the last one. They're required those bell reading. Those are my reading. three books that I must read. Required Pre-moving away. <laughs> Although I do think Amber got away with not having to read those. I wouldn't be surprised. Man, she, and she's like the reader. She was like exactly. the total reader. How'd she get away from not reading those? Um, just to put this into like perspective here. When I <laughs> first became yeah, a Belle, yeah. I was handed those three exact oh, books. <laughs> As they walked out of the temple, they were thrusting <laughs> They were arms. wedding gifts or something. Um, but they, they're actually really good. The Wealthy Barber reads like a storybook. It's kind of like a prenuptial. <laughs> it's not a little like bit. That. A little bit. <laughs> Did they have an instruction manual too? You are now a bell. <laughs> it was a certificate after you read the three books. Oh, okay. So you have to earn it. Oh, no. Yeah. You, Amber's the only one it's who like just got tutorial. the certificate. The yeah. rest of us had to receive I'm just doing it. <laughs> Kevin was the first bell to get married, but... Um, I think so. I think they put them all, you know, all those things first with us. Uh, I was surprised um, there was no Stephen Covey book in there. Yeah. No, no Stephen Covey because the millionaire next door, the one thing I remember from that is big hat, no cattle. So, Lauren, you need to find that. And I'll remember that one, I hope. <laughs> Move my cheese. <laughs> uh, but so you're going to be able to get those done with all your traveling? Is that what I you're going to read on the airplane this summer? That's Oops. what I think. I'm going to crank them out. Well, I, she she listened to our podcast at like three times speed, so I think she's fine. I think she'll... <laughs> she did admit her brain runs fast, so she can probably catch all yeah, that just, information real fast. Yeah, <laughs> she's adjusting it to her brain speed. Exactly. Casey yeah. Westover sounds very funny at 3x speed. Does he sound like Alvin, Simon, or Theodore? <laughs> Gotta go with Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the other question. If you read the three books... You do you get more than a certificate from your dad. I'm just totally kidding about these certificates, by the way. <laughs> is there like, you know, rent that you get or what? what I think he purpose? will teach me to invest if I read those books. And I'm kind of, that's lame answer, but I got to get going on that. <laughs> You're what, not late. Yeah. What does he, what does he even need to uh, add to that? I heard you already have a Roth IRA. Apparently, I learned this yesterday, actually, that I already have a Roth IRA. It's crazy stuff. Love my dad. He's a fantastic guy. Set up a Roth IRA for me. Probably from July 11th. That's what I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Love that man. He's great. He is. So, And I'm not even kidding. It was probably set up on July 11th of whatever year you were born. I can't remember. <laughs> 2005. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 2005. Oh, man. I know. Doesn't that make you feel really you old? You were born the year I got home from my mission. <laughs> That's yeah. wild. Yeah. It makes you feel so old. <laughs> yeah, because we are. No, Jason, don't <laughs> say that because I'm older than you. Reed, how does that make you feel? 
<laughs> Reed never, Reed never matured past like 25. Oh, okay. He's good. It doesn't, it doesn't pay to mature. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't pay to mature. What's, what's the most unique thing about your generation, do you think? Um, Cliche answer, but like <laughs> Try te- and technologically savvy. Not really. I guess a lot of my peers never like have lived a time in their lives without having like some means of always being in contact with their parents or like always being in contact with their friends. And I think that's really interesting to see how that plays out along other people's relationships. That is interesting. I mean, I when you first said technology, I'm like, oh, totally. Because there's so many things that my students understand technology that I don't. Mm-hmm. In fact, I joke all the time about that. But yeah, that instant contact that your generation mm-hmm. has. I was the kid if no news was good news yeah. <laughs> kind of mom. So, Ignorance is bliss. But it, a little <laughs> bit, yeah. So that is interesting that you would say that, that you know they have this instant contact with their parents and their friends and something's wrong if you can't instantly get exactly. a hold of them. Well, that's something that, Jason, you mentioned in a previous podcast, which was is that this isn't the generation that looks things up. This is the one that has to filter yeah. things. And so do you, I'm, the information that's out there, is it's so um, – there's so much of it coming in from different different angles, different mm-hmm. perceptions. That how do you discern truth from all the all the te- information technology mm-hmm. gives you? I've definitely struggled with that like a lot actually. Um, just like I think it's kind of becoming a common theme in youth addresses from the church actually is like where to seek truth. Um, and I think while going directly to church-based sources is always a good move. Um, I think prayer can help you find truth in whatever source you're looking for, and it can also help you see like if this source is untrue. Um, I think prayer should be your number one tool when looking for truth overall, like prayer and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I love that answer. We were talking, I had to teach on Sunday, and I know you were at the YSA ward, but I was teaching in your wins. We talked about that, that you know, when you have answers or questions and you need answers, sometimes the answers from Heavenly Father aren't instant. Like they are, like mm-hmm. you were just said, with, you know, phones and everything that your answers can usually be instant from someone you're getting. But sometimes Heavenly Fathers aren't instant. And are we willing to wait and do what's necessary to wait and get that answer, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that can be difficult when you're used to instant answers instant yeah what do i do you know but heavenly fathers aren't always instant hmm. that was an interesting talk we yeah, had on the, sunday a little bit about Bettner that talks a lot about that we've done some training classes with um the word council and stuff about that and he was talking about the influence of the holy ghost and he kept talking to this uh, this adult what was it seminary teachers and leaders in the church and he was talking to him and he kept calling him good boys and girls he said they were asking how you're influenced by the spirit how you're guided and directed and received discernment and he said because you're good boys and girls and then he defined that as being well you go to church and you partake of the sacrament and you are trying to striving to keep the commandments and you're reading your scriptures and you're praying and you're doing what you're supposed to do. So, therefore, you have the uh, power of the Holy Ghost with you. He's always striving with you to communicate with you. And it was like, well, maybe I'm not worthy of it. No, you're worthy of it. He's trying to get that across. Is no, you always have access to the Holy Ghost because he, he's because you're doing the things that make you worthy of it. So, you know, he talked about the uh, sacrament prayer where his spirit is will always be with you 
we don't feel that way most of the time, but it is, and it's trying. And all we have to do is do our part, which is try to discern what the Spirit, how the Spirit communicates with me, which is going to be different than Lauren at times. It'll be, it'll be different, but it's always trying to help us find the right way. And he, you know, he talked about these stories about him doing things that he didn't find out about until mm-hmm. a year later. The, the one train ride with, uh, I think it was Elder Oaks or Hall, that he gave some money to him and didn't yeah. realize that on that trip, he had, to, he had to bribe an East German border official so to keep his wife on the train. Otherwise, they would have either arrested her or kept her. And so he said, I didn't even know about that till years later when he said, <laughs> well, you know that money that you gave me? You had no idea why you did it? Anyway, it was a neat, yeah. neat story. And you you know, you find things like that happening in your life where you go, I don't yeah. know why I did this, but I felt like I should have done it. I think this can go to, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, sorry, if I am. But remember when you were struggling with, where should I go to school? Because Lauren had multiple... Um, Places that accepted her because she's smarty pants. That's where she's also extremely humble. She is very intelligent. And um, blushing. Stop. I know. Mm-hmm. And you should blush because you deserve <laughs> it. But remember when you were struggling um, and you were like, I just don't know where to go. And you had these great offers. And mm-hmm. obviously there was something you had to do to make your decision. And it wasn't coming instantly, right? You it know? definitely was not. And that was the worst part. That was the worst part. <laughs> It was a terrible, <laughs> terrible point in my life, actually. Um, I think coming to that decision took a lot of using eternal perspective, like seminary answers, but um, <laughs> eternal perspective and acting in faith were big parts of how I how I chose to be with you because, A, I know I'm going to be surrounded by people who are positive and upbeat and who will live standards alongside mine, which even if I don't love educationally what opportunities are presented to me, I'll still be in a good atmosphere and be eternal perspective. Um, it's really not that serious. It's re- I was taking it very, very seriously when in actuality I can always transfer and that I don't know if I will, but you know, it's good. It's good to know that the choices I make now aren't going to affect me forever. Um, especially minute ones like where am I going to go to college, which is a pretty big choice, but in terms of pre-mortal and post-mortal life, it really isn't. So how do you feel about making mistakes? Um, I feel like Jesus is awesome, not going to lie. Um, I think mistakes are really important pieces of who we are and who we are becoming. And that kind of circles back to a question that might be asked later on, but um, how like Christ affects my life. Um, and the way I see it is I try to focus more on like the enabling power of Christ to change rather mm-hmm. than the like hands on my knees repentance part, right. which is part which is part of the enabling power of Christ. It's all the atonement. But um, because because of Christ's sacrifice, I have the ability to change every day and become a new person. And through renewing my covenant, renewing my covenants, sorry, um, I have the chance to restart every week and to to become a new person as many times as I need to, which is really good because I'm really imperfect. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm very grateful every day for what Christ has done for me and the chance that I have to change to become more like him. Which kind of goes along with the come follow me lesson this week in Luke 22. I can't remember the verse. I'm sorry. Um, where Christ is telling Peter that he's praying that he won't lose his faith. 
And I was listening to another podcast, not as good as this one, but another podcast. A lesser podcast. Yeah, right. Not not as high as this one. Um, But they were talking about um, how you can have a testimony, but conversion is something that's continual. So I think what you're saying is every week I'm continually trying to convert myself and I change myself because conversion is a lifelong process, not just a one-time process. We gain our testimony and then, like you said, every week you have that opportunity to convert yourself to be a new person for the week and be a better mm-hmm. person for the week. And I loved that, as they talked about that, that you could, it's a continual thing. It's not that I'm converted once and then if I make a mistake, I'm off. No, I'm, I have my testimony. I keep working on it week after week and converting myself, changing myself to become who I'm supposed to be. So I think that's kind of what I got as you were saying, you know, each week I get to renew myself, I get yeah. to be better. You're slowly converting yourself closer and closer to being who Heavenly Father knows you are. That makes sense. Yes. And I think the only way to get there is through mistakes. Yeah. Like even setting goals for yourself, you think like setting a goal for yourself would just be like instant progress if you do like a one year time skip. But even then you like you have to screw up to improve, right? There's no possible way for you to improve without making mistakes That's and right. without screwing up. You, there's no there's no way to get from where you are now to where you want to be without making an incredible amount of mistakes. And I think that's just really important to to understand it in the perspective of Christ. Well, well did I just say how amazing she was? Because at eight, she's not even eighteen yet. She has a month yeah. to go, but. Um, She's already figured out fear of failure isn't the end of the world. To fail is a good thing. Fail forward is what you're saying right there. And I think there's a lot of adults who have not figured out how to overcome the fear of failure. I think for me, one thing you brought up in my mind is I grew up thinking that I had to do all these things to kind of earn Jesus. And and if if I behave myself perfectly, eventually I could have his love. And and what I'm learning from you and, and have learned over the years too is Jesus is right there from the beginning and his love is available immediately. I was just talking to a friend about this earlier today. I think one of the messages we can get from him sitting down with sinners is that he wanted to uplift everybody. But I, I think another spin you can put on that is that his love is instantly available to all of us. And the discipleship and being discipled is how we progress and learn from our mistakes and things like that. But he is there through that whole process. Um, so yeah, I love thank his you arm just stretched out still. And he says that as soon as you turn, he's there. Like you, like you said, it's not, well, and I'm going to wait and see if she really means it. No, as soon as you <laughs> yeah. make that turn. And that's one thing that I heard you say is that, that um, it's to be used frequently. Not you know, not selective, not occasionally. Yeah. That that you know that mistakes are maybe one of the most important things we get to do in this life because they draw us closer to the Savior. They're one of they're they're necessary. Not that you go out shopping for it because there's plenty <laughs> of things to do, but they're going to come and and we're not going to learn and we're not going to grow if we don't try and fail. And try again and fail again, and mm-hmm. and you will get better. But the fail, the failure is, like you said, Corinth, and I believe it. You always fall into the hill. It's an uphill climb, and when you fall, you fall into it. You don't fall backwards and go rolling down the hill again. You fall into it. It's shorter to push yourself up off the hill and hike up up it again. But 
But I think the important thing is that even if you do fall backwards, like you're going to be stronger because you walked that much farther. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good thought. Um, I... On that topic of, because you talked about gratitude too, I wanted to talk with the group here about, because uh, gratitude is such an important concept. And I, I think actually, sidebar a little bit here, gratitude outside of our faith practice, uh, there's several studies that show that gratitude has positive impact on our health, our longevity, um, our overall sense of well-being, so I, there's science backing that too. And so I, I think that gratitude practice is so key to just being a happy human being. Um, how do you guys express gratitude? What are, what are some things that have helped you? We can start with Lauren. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the way I see it is that gratitude is less about like specific actions as just like a way of being. I don't know how to explain it, but like, having gratitude as a mentality rather than a gratitude as an action you would do. Like saying thank you is definitely an important part of like being grateful, but having a habit of saying thank you when someone does something kind for you, that's having gratitude as a mentality. Um, And I'm not saying that like you have to be outrightly on your hands and knees thanking someone, but just the simple ways of showing gratitude to people around us by being kind and giving back the kindness that they've given us um it just shows ways of being grateful for that person um having a genuine like love and care like loving and caring about someone genuinely is a way that i like to show gratitude just for all things that they do for me um and even just the way i i live i try to express gratitude as i was saying as mentality um with giving people the benefit the benefit of the doubt when I'm driving and someone cuts me off, unless it's her dad. <laughs> if I was driving, <laughs> funny story about that <laughs> for another time. Um, <laughs> um, but like, if I'm driving and someone cuts me off, I've definitely done that to other people, so I'm gonna let this person slide. Um, <laughs> unless it's her dad, unless it's my dad. <laughs> we'll side note that later. Um, I love you, Lauren. <laughs> just even even how a person goes about and treats the people around them, I think, really shows how they express gratitude in their day to day life. Um, and not just the people around them, but the people, but just like the world in general. I don't know. You can always tell when someone is like genuinely grateful to be alive. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's so true, and I I think that some of the experts in gratitude would agree with that is being one of the best ways we can show that is is by our action and how we treat others. Uh, what do you think, Corinne? Man, adding to Lauren. So I do agree with her, like showing gratitude, but I was actually just thinking about this for myself. And recently I was realizing how blessed I really have been. Um, and so in, <clears throat> excuse me, in ways I've been trying to like, like Lauren was saying, give back. And I think that's one way of showing gratitude because right now I feel like we've been so blessed. We have so many blessings. Are there ways that I can share my blessings with others? So if I see simple little things like, for instance, I'm not doing this to pat my own back, but a simple way of gratitude I thought was they're doing Kona ice for the kids at elementary school for field day. And you could pay in advance on their through their QR code. And I noticed there was a button that said pay it forward. I'm like, oh, well, I can do that. I can totally pay it forward. You know, and it, not that I'm saying I should, you know, everyone should do that. But it was just 
my way of like, I'm very blessed. And besides just saying thank you, you know, like Lauren, which I try really hard to make sure I'm saying thank you for things, but um, are there ways I can bless other people's lives? Because right now I have, I've been so blessed. Does that make, I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, um, I, I think so. And I think that's even something that God can reveal to you that, that, you know, a way of expressing gratitude is by sharing with other people or, or for me, it's even been that part of the reason I've been given so much is because I'm willing to give, you know? Yeah. And it was <clears throat> on the mental aspect too. It, it used to be an assignment. It's not one now, but I used to give the assignment to my students um, for the week that they had to keep a gratitude journal and I'm teaching PE, but it was for the mental aspect of seeing how blessed you are in your life versus just your physical body. But what about you, Reed? Um, gratitude's huge. Uh, for some reason, one of the things I was taught as a youth growing up was uh, gratitude and optimism is an intellectual choice. And my granddaughter just this week came into school. She's middle school over here at Thurston. She said, I'm going to choose this day to have a great day. And I thought, that's <laughs> what really what it's all about. And, you know, you, I have no, like I said, I have no right to be blessed as much as my life is blessed. There's, there's nothing I've done to deserve this. I look at it and it's just the most wonderful life. I mean, living at this time and place, the fullness of the gospel, the priesthood, the temples, the blessing, the family. The, I mean, we've got 14 grandkids and our, our children are healthy and we we have the covenants of the temple. And I just feel like, you know, I, it can't get much better than this. And I know there's some people would say they have a whole lot better and I'm okay with that. But I just know that this life is a gift and I enjoy it for as much as I can and try to take it seriously when I have to and uh, enjoy the rest of it. And I'm, I'm just amazed at how it, it gets you through things. I mean, there are hard things that this life will throw at you. But if you're grateful, it just changes everything. You take things seriously, Reed? I, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just golf and breathe. Is this new? Okay. You need to take it more seriously then. <laughs> um, I I think for me, one thing that I've noticed is um, vocalizing gratitude is is sometimes really um, helpful, either to God, you know, just calling out something special that happens, or really deliberately thanking people and and what i mean by that is i think we can be pretty passive sometimes you know th thanks whatever somebody thanks, you know gets you excited but <laughs> i think that a lot of us don't really see the value that we bring or or the talents that we have and and really calling those out and and deliberately letting people know how special they are um is one way that i've tried to show gratitude we call that another assignment I have changed their face. Um, so instead of just saying thanks, you know, like you were saying, like this normal thanks, sometimes you have to go out of your way. And I think sometimes we forget the people that are closest to us, like maybe our family members, um, to say thanks for the little things that they're doing, you know, out of your way. You know, I really know so you do that thanks. And sometimes I think we forget that because we are around them all the time. But also like finding another way to say you're thankful, like complimenting them. Like you were saying, they're different talents. Um, if you do that, watch their face. It will 
change their face. And so yeah, and you, you have to watch people to do that too. I, I knew a guy that we worked, used to work with him. Every time you'd see him, he would sincerely say, you just made my day. And you thought he was being trite and he was just saying, I like your tie or whatever <laughs> like this. And you think about it, but he honestly made you feel like he really was impressed about something about you and noticed something and would always say, I thought, that's the guy I want to be. I haven't become that. But he's the per I mean, I just remember saying, you know, he may he sincerely feels that way, or at least makes you feel like like you really matter. And that's a great thing to do to someone else. Mm -hmm. make them yeah, feel change the face is gonna be like a banner in our house now. Because <laughs> the one that currently is up is make them cry. Yeah, <laughs> so. that one hangs off. <laughs> it's like right. Reed, what else did you want to get into? Oh, I, we just have to ask that one crazy question. Is why yellow? What your favorite color? Why yellow? It's, it's a solid color. I highly enjoy it, not going to lie. Um. Is it because it's bright and cheery like you? It's a color of a certain... I'm blushing again. Uh, bright and cheery. I'm trying to think. It's a color of a really important team <laughs> I was going to say, exactly. if you can read which you said you like to read, just read the shirt across the table from Oh, me. see, I didn't even think about this. Utah Jazz? Just kidding. She didn't say wow. green. Wow. Or conducts. I apologize. Yeah, she, that must be the part that's not pale. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. If I had to come up with like one specific reason... We have a game in our family. Oh dear. Let me explain. It's a wonderful <laughs> game. Imagine the game Punch Buggy. Imagine if it had a point system. Punch Buggy? Yes. Oh, you mean like like when you see a Volkswagen Beetle and you slug your sibling. Like, I've ever heard it called Bunch? Yeah, a Slug Bug. We call it Slug Bug too. I thought Punch Buggy would be like more a more common name. Oh, like slug Bug. Exactly. Call it the Tesla Touch. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Let me go on with this point system. Um, the way it works is that there's different categories of cars. If you see a convertible, that's worth one point. Each point is equivalent of one punch. Actually, I'll just add that to this now. Um, <laughs> if you see a convertible, that's one. If you see a yellow car at all, that's one. If you see a slug bug, that's one. Now, if you see an old-fashioned car, that's one as well. Those are four categories. However, these categories can stack. So, if you see an old-fashioned convertible, that's two. If you see a convertible slug bug, that's also two. But here's the thing. There is a beautiful space where all four of these connect. <laughs> and that is an old-fashioned yellow Volkswagen Beetle that's also a convertible. And in that case, you get 100 points and win the game. And I realized that was a very interesting tangent to go off of, but that's probably why, you, like, the most tangible reason why yellow is my favorite color. It's because I'd win the game. Well, wait, you just drive by the one on... on on the highway. Exactly. That's, that's broken the one. down. So though. you can always claim that as your, exactly. your, tri your triple or your quad. <laughs> so do you get to punch him four times or <laughs> actually, actually. At that point, if you see that car, it's worth a hundred points, and then the game just ends. So there's actually no more punching after that. Oh, okay. So it's you win you win the game it's for the rest for of the car ride. Which is really so bad you know for that slogan, let's make them cry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's in their car. Had some rough some rough times. That's funny. That's in the part where like Had some large bruises. Is that the point where your dad says, no more slug bug? That's right. Stop the game. Stop it. Mm -hmm. well, it usually reaches that point within three like or four hours. Mm -hmm. One, one man, two men, I know one man. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I got some ideas for our next road tip for you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> On the way there. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do that. We'll be like, I can't play golf now. <laughs> no, not that arm. Don't even do that. Yeah. What else do you want to talk about, Corinne? Um, 
Well, I know about it, but maybe you want to tell us about what you're most proud of, the event that you put there, because you were fairly young at the time. Yeah. And you and Grandma and Amber did a lot of good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember how old I was. I want to say maybe 12 or 13. Yeah, you were definitely still um, in middle school. Yeah. I had the opportunity to participate in Relay for Life, Eugene. Um, mm-hmm. And through that, I was able to raise about $2,000 for cancer research. And that was really powerful, especially since my stepmom had just been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and it was a really cool experience to be able to interact with people who were going through the exact same thing as me right in town um, and to feel like I was doing something to to make things better. Did you speak at it or was it Amber? I speaked very briefly. At, I, I spoke very briefly at the event. You That's might be it. thinking of... Um, but you did speak, right? Didn't you? Yeah, I had the opportunity to speak at uh, another event for cancer research, I guess. Um, there's this camp called Camp Kesem that I had the opportunity to go to for the past couple years. Um, that's also another thing I probably should have added on there was a, at their yearly fundraiser, they usually have about 500 people and I was able to speak at one of them. That was really cool. That's incredible. How old were you then? Say 14. Well, 14? Well, a couple years ago. intimidating. It yeah. was. It's I like was a, at state conference. a nervous yeah. wreck. Maybe I, even bigger than state yeah, conference. Bigger than, bigger than state conference lately. Partway through the meeting, <laughs> partway through the fundraiser, I had to go to the bathroom and Loki, I played Minecraft for 15 minutes to calm down. It was a, good, it was a great time. <laughs> we need to bring that anxiety down because that would freak me out too. I was terrified. Oh, redo. What would you redo over again? Because here you put I, <clears throat> kind of a cheesy answer, so mm-hmm. some detail. Um, I put the entirety of my junior year of high school <laughs> from September 14th to June 14th. Um just because that was probably the lowest point of my entire life, realistically. And I wish I did a lot of things different because I definitely pushed myself way too hard and experienced a lot of burnout because of it. Um, that's you do much that it. a lot. You expect a lot from yourself, don't you? I most certainly do, and I regret it a lot, actually. <laughs> All the that, time. Where does that come from, do you think? The regret? The or? expectation. Um, I really could not tell you. I really don't know because... Is it self-imposed? Probably. I have a great set of parents. I'll tell you now. I love them. They they would not push me to do things that I didn't want to do. So I think it just comes right from right from me. Core. It's, it's my bad. I'm just no. self-inflicting, apparently. <laughs> so the, the, this is something that comes up fairly often when we talk to the youth. Um, and now you're, you're getting ready to start college. Um, I think a lot of people that you know, go to college afterwards are, are naturally driven. Um, what advice would you give to, let's say, you know, younger youth, maybe just starting high school, as far as prioritizing, you know, your activities and, and limiting the risk of burnout? <laughs> what would you tell a 14-year-old? Well, yeah. You're speaking to Madeline. First, I'd <laughs> give them a hug because the next four years of their life are going to be <laughs> unlike anything they've ever experienced. Um, maybe don't do that. You'll scare her. I won't do that to Madeline. Um, I'm trying to think. I'd probably say first, get a really good backpack. Um, secondarily though, I would say don't, don't expect yourself to be a superhero or like, don't, as long as you are pushing yourself and trying and making movement forward, then that's all you can do. And... Stay stay focused, but at the same time, let yourself have fun and be a kid. Because I've I've definitely had the opportunity to 
to meet so, 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 so many people who had the, either out of like necessity or just out of socialization, the need to grow up super duper fast. Mm. And that even started way back in like middle school, not going to lie. But especially in high school, you can see that be accentuated, um, which makes sense because people are about to enter adulthood. Um, let yourself be a kid. Let yourself have fun. And... You don't have to put yourself through like pain or things you don't enjoy to earn to earn the things you have. Like you don't you don't have to try to figure out how to word it right. You're worthy of whatever you have right now without you having to go through all the things that suck. <laughs> um you don't have to feel absolutely terrible about yourself every single day in order to think that you're doing all right. Um if Take care of your body and take care of your brain, and you're going to be okay. I like the thing that said worthiness because we, there seems to be a confusion in the gospel about worth and worthiness. And one of the goals that we have in the Word is that the youth will realize their eternal and uh, infinite potential and worth as sons and daughters of Heavenly Father. Yeah. And, and if we, that's one thing we wish we could get across to the youth first and foremost, because once they realize that, then the world is their oyster. I mean, it really yeah. is. It's like, oh, now I get it. Heavenly Father wants me to have these experiences and do this yeah. stuff, and He wants me to grow and develop and everything else, and and my potential to do fantastic things is unlimited. Yeah. So I follow up to that. By the way, Reed, you have like a jazz radio type voice sometimes. Well, like, thank like, you, Bob. Like, welcome all you. <laughs> We're here 24 hours a day. <laughs> Operators are standing by to receive your calls. The, the follow-up question is, um, how is that lesson or those lessons that you learned in high school affect kind of how you plan, how you'll organize your time going into college? Um, I'm trying to think. I definitely am trying to live more by what I just said, like taking care of my brain, taking care of my body. Um, because the thing is that I'm gonna have to live with this body for the rest of my life, and if I don't take care of it now, then what am I gonna do? Exactly, take a PE class. <laughs> Cringe just dropping some self promos right now. Um, I think definitely making sure that the habits I have are healthy and that I, I know the most important things about being human. You know, and that means like knowing how to like make a friend and knowing how to to eat a good meal and making sure that I know how to at the very least ask for what I want these very like very baseline things that unfortunately a lot of high schoolers don't know how to do and I don't think that's because of any one cause in general and I'm not going to say like oh these teenagers are always on their phones and that's why they don't have friends because that's not true because that just simply is not the, that's simply not true but I think I, I got off a tangent. Anyways, um, going into college, I think definitely making sure that I know how to have those skills of the very baseline parts of being human and and also making sure I have fun. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the best advice I could give you. It's, is somebody who was pretty driven, like going into college and, and then medical school, I always had this thought that if I didn't dedicate every second of my life to studying and things like that, that all my dreams were going to vanish. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a regret that I have, you know, cause I, I think you really need that time to, to be a person, to learn to human a little mm -hmm. bit 
Some people learn that too much, but, <laughs> um, you know, just those basic human skills of how to make a friend, how to be a good friend. Mm -hmm. um, huge. Yeah, it's, it's huge and it's such a great time to do that. And you'll be grateful for taking that time. And, you know, you're, if you're smart, you're going to succeed in whatever you want to do. You know, maybe not in being an astronaut, you know, but <laughs> pretty much everything else is on the table. And I'm pretty sure you figure <laughs> that too. Yeah. You could definitely be a marine biologist. <laughs> <laughs> but Thank you. Before, before school, there's going to be some travel going on. Is that right? What are you going to do this There summer? most certainly is. I have the opportunity to go visit Jerusalem for two weeks. And I'm really excited for that. Um, and then and I have the chance with? with Craig Osler from BYU. Right. <laughs> He'll be taking us around. I'm very excited. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then I have the chance to go to New Zealand for a week. So I'm very excited. New Zealand? Yeah. Oh, I'm right. really That's, excited. Don't you want to go and carry her bags for her? <laughs> I will. At a fly 100% would. Oh, and I'll no. be quoting the Lord of the Rings the whole way. Oh, that's right. That's what I'm going to be doing too. That's awesome. Yeah. Gee, there you go. <laughs> I can't carry the ring, but I'll carry you. I can yeah. carry you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's number two on my travel list. So that's really mm -hmm. cool. That's I'm great. very excited. Great place to go. So cool. She just went somewhere else too. Her and your, her cousin got to do their their own little travel out of the country. What? Had the chance to go to Scotland. It was really cool for spring Scotland. break. Yeah. Hey. I definitely learned a lot about European history. That was really interesting. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been super fun. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll do, if if we all agree on this, we'll do the last question. And then Lauren said that she can talk for five minutes straight without breathing about the Breathing? Spider. I need to breathe. <laughs> where, where did you put that? Yeah. Did I miss this? <laughs> so last, last question here is, how has being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints helped you to better connect with the Savior? Um, seeing as I don't really know what it would be like to be a part of a different congregation, I guess, um, I think the way I could answer this question would only be in terms of, like, how the, like, theology of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, shaped my relationship with Christ. Um, but the way I would answer that would probably be, it definitely has influenced what we kind of already talked about, which is gratitude. Um, just because gratitude is one of the biggest parts of my testimony and even just the way that I practice my religion, I guess. Um, and the centerfold of that religion being, the center of that religion being Christ. Um, trying to figure out how to articulate this, sorry. There, there's always a focus of love in, no matter what we're studying, no matter what scriptures or church message we're studying, there's always a focus on love. And specifically the way that God loves us and the ways that we can love, that we can show him that we love him or the ways that we can express to him that we love him. Um, and I wouldn't even say just like learn, like express how we love him, but also learn to love him, um, which is an interesting way to go about it. But anyways, um, the, the gospel has taught me how to recognize and understand more thoroughly the things that God has done for me and how God's influence has shaped my life. And it's interesting to think about because his influence is actually everything in my life because it goes into like big 
big eternal thoughts, but like I wouldn't exist at the very baseline. But um as back for back to gratitude and back to the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, I would say that church taught me how to be truly grateful for not only the things I have around me and the experiences I have around me, but the people and the opportunities that I have to love every single day. And that Heavenly Father gave me the capacity to experience things. And that I'm so grateful to be able to experience life and loving people and making mistakes and growing and simply experience being alive. And I think that's that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful to Heavenly Father. And it's because of Christ that I'm able to experience it all. Awesome. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for coming and, and taking time. You're busy young lady and, you know, just taking a couple hours to be with us. I uh, really appreciate that. Um, secretly jealous. I wish you were in our ward, actually, now <laughs> getting to meet you. But um, whatever. What are you going to do? She'll come but, back and speak. See, you. but now yeah. you can say you know her when someday she does yeah. these big, great things. That's what I, I think about. The I, know her. I know her. I know her. <laughs> I know her. I have her. <laughs> there's proof. There's proof. It's on the podcast. I was. I was there. But don't you think that about a lot of our yeah. youth? They're they're gonna just go do amazing things, and we're gonna be like, oh, I knew them when. They're all so, pretty cool. There you go. You can add Lauren to your list of I knew her when. They are, and youths are gonna listen to this podcast, and it's gonna help them. Yeah, oh, honestly, I, I hope Adul- so. Adults <laughs> are gonna listen to this and help them. When you talk about emulating yep. emulating Christ, that's what it really all comes down to. I mean, we can study, read know the scriptures inside and out but when when the moment comes where you start acting like him like him yeah. and i love that phrase so to be like and we we take that kind of trite sometimes when you start acting like the savior that's where life really matters maybe life really begins then mm-hmm. and you get to understand that that's and that's powerful what you are sharing is something that can help so many people and it, i'll just tell you this is as, as your bishop it has been a joy to have you in our work. You are, you are, love is a power and love is an influence. And you are a powerful, influential young woman. And I'm so grateful to have been in your uh, presence because really the youth, we talk about it, we, as bishops and stuff, we look at the youth and go, they are so different than we were. We were so lame. You know, I mean, it was just yeah, so, no. and we were like, we had this caveman understanding of, you know, I mean, it was just weird. And the youth today, like you, and the ones that we've heard on these podcasts, they are so rich and full of things that we struggle at as young adults to, to understand and comprehend. And it's like, I mean, when they say that this is a choice generation, it is a choice generation, and you're you're proof of that. Well, I thank, thank you to Coran, thank you to Reed for coming on the show. I thanks for inviting me. Wanted to express gratitude to you guys. Um, oh, stop! Just it. as we've been doing this project for a few months it's uh it's been a lot of work but a labor of love and and you guys have been like our biggest fans and biggest supporters and that just means so much to me um when it is a lot of work to to pull this together just knowing that it's helping people and and all the positive and encouraging things you say just did mean so much. You've given birth to a beautiful baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. I think if I can get my kid who listened to one of the episodes who actually was listening and laughing with it, that's amazing because usually when I turn on podcasts, it's like, oh, do we have to listen to this? Right. But yeah. if this one's on, they're willing to listen. So I think that's you cool. were very inspired to start something. So good job, you. To be involved. 
Um, but I do have a question that we need to ask Lauren um, in a few months when she comes home from Christmas. Will she be wearing a blue t-shirt hoodie or a green yellow <gasps> hoodie? It's a tough we'll wait. A we will wait and see. But it's a solid, solid excuse right there. Thank you. Thank you. I, I will remember that. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> I mean, we can give her, we can cut her a little grace because her, you know, her stepmom and her uh, grandpa are BYU alum. Remember, BYU is just a school. It's all the cougars. It's just a school. It's just a school. Ducks. Yeah. They have great ice cream. That's pretty much it. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have Prince Puckler's. Ice cream. There's, there's it's all on campus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's end the show with yeah. five minutes of oh, your knowledge of the Spider Verse. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to start a timer. That's my bad. I got. I, you. I'm telling you right now. I got okay. You. I got the same. The Spider Verse franchise revolutionized the field of animation, and let me tell you why. Not only were they able to compile so many different styles and animation, like how do I even phrase this? Different art styles and art textures within two incredible films, by the way, which have about five hours of run, actually four hours of runtime. I think like an hour and a half for the first one, two and a half hours for the second one. Not only were they able to seamlessly mesh live action with cameos from Donald Glover in Across the Spider-Verse in an animated series that had settled itself as an animated series is revolutionary. Not only that, they have entirely changed the way the animation works in the field of movies that are not only marketed towards children, but also adults, because anyone can enjoy a good movie about Spider-Man. Trying to figure out where to go from here. Um, there's some incredible characters. They, they introduce the idea of the multiverse very well into the MCU. In fact, probably even better than Infinity War, I would argue. Um, however, they did have some continuance errors, which are overlookable. Hmm, I'm trying to think. They were able to pull in character and across the Spider-Verse. That's the second film, by the way. Spoilers incoming. Um, you've been warned. They pull in cameos from Spider-People from hundreds of comic books. They have so many different characters, including a, a, an action shot where it's set in Legos. They have... Oh, that's right. Where the Legos are anthropomorphic... They, it's incredible. They had a child animate that actually, a teenager, who in, in, like animated the entire scene where it's Peter Parker in a Lego version of the Daily Bugle. And he, ugh, it's incredible. Um, where was I going with this? Seamlessly meshing animation and live action together to create a very understandable, and they, e they easily explain the idea of the multiverse using those kind of mediums. Which you can, we can understand because they're two entirely different things. They all bring together into one beautiful universe. Um, I'm trying to figure out where to go from here. The way that they set it up by using different animation styles for each universe is incredible. Because in the first movie, not only do they have three... There's a, there's a group of five spider people in as the protagonists of the first film. Besides Miles, who is Miles Morales, who is the, the main character of the movie. But there's also Gwen Stacy and Peter B. Parker. And they are all human. They are all human people, I suppose. You'll see what I'm... I'll, I'll get into it. Anyways, number four is Penny Parker. And she is drawn in the style of manga. And she is from a different universe and a different style of comics, which is why she's drawn that way. They didn't give her a new version of herself within the style of the film. They still drew her truthfully to her comics, which were drawn in a manga style, which they then transferred over to the Spider-Verse film. 
And that even comes over even better with a character named Peter Porker, who is a pig oh, version oh, oh. of Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm still in the first film, by the way. This is Into the Spider-Verse. That Peter Porker. wrong, but you didn't. Peter Porker is a pig who was, who was, he was bitten by a radioactive pig and became Spider-Man. Um, I, I don't understand the backstory. based on a comic? Yes, he yeah. most certainly is. Really? I will get into it. It keeps going. It gets better. Anyways, his animation style is car- <laughs> his animation style is strictly cartoon, and he has that one here explaining his backstory. And his universe is drawn in cartoons in a di- like more of a Looney Tunes kind of way than a um in the style of Into the Spider Verse. They transfer those animation styles over to the film, and that's even more accentuated in the second film when they have characters who are live action, like I previously stated, Donald Glover, and oh, I, I did, I dropped a spoiler alert earlier. Oh, <laughs> They had Donald Glover and they had the Legos, which were both live action films. They have Lego. They have a Lego sequence. Is this the new one? This is the new one. This is the second. This is the second movie. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I still have more. (laughs) Hang on. She's not at her five minutes. The way. Oh, yeah. Not only do they transfer over the live action and the Lego versions, they also have so many different versions of the character. And they're all so unique and diverse because they have not only do they have disability representation and representation of all genders and colors of people. They also have inanimate objects. They have a Spider-Man who is a plush Spider-Man. They have a car who is called Peter Park's car. And he is a he is a Spider-Man car. There is a cowboy who is a horse and the horse has web shooters. It's incredible. The range of diversity that they're able to get with these movies. Um, however, the most important thing I think we need to go over while talking over animation styles is the shading that they use in each universe. Because as I said before, they carry over the, the artwork style of the comic of the character into the movie. At the very end of the Across the Spider-Verse film, major spoiler, this is like the conclusion, there is a scene where Miles Morales goes to the universe that hit- let me back up a little bit. The spider that bit Miles Morales was from Earth-42. And at a point in the second film, he needs to go back to his house. He needs to he needs to go back from um, Miguel's universe. He is like the head Spider-Man. Um, back from Miguel's universe to his home universe. So he goes in this machine that scans his DNA and takes the takes the takes the DNA, tells the machine what universe his DNA comes from, and that's how he gets home. But the thing is, because his spider was from a different universe, it sends him back to the wrong universe. So it sends him to Earth forty-two rather than Earth sixteen ten, which is where he's from. Um, in Earth 42, he meets another character who is the other version of Miles Morales. However, there's a whole bunch of plot stuff that I could talk about with that. But the other version of Miles Morales, the way you know is because of the shading. The way that they shade him, because he's drawn the exact same, but it's the shading. It's the, the me- I'm getting very passionate about this behind the mic. Um, because in... Earth 1610, everything is drawn in the style of comic books, which means they have the halftone dots shading everything. However, in Earth 42, which is how you know he's in the wrong universe, everything is drawn using, like, parallel lines? I don't know how to explain it. There's no halftone dots, which is how you can tell the difference between the two miles. And that's incredible the way that they can differentiate, differentiate? Make the two universes different using the shading. When it comes to plot, let me figure out what to jump off of that from this one. The way that they use the plot is incredible. They not only have been able to avoid having a love triangle, but they are seamlessly able to add subtle romantic interests, almost. They're setting up something incredible for the third film, I'm sure of it. There's like, I've been counting down the days, not gonna lie, it's like 250-something. Comes out on March 9th next year. 
Have we hit five minutes? Yeah. I can keep I can keep going. I actually I I totally agree with you and I had, had it planned to see the the across the spider-verse on release day, but just didn't work out. So probably this week. But incredible movie. Um, I I enjoyed the meshing of styles too. Like the you have some noir, you have Exactly. Sina, um, and, and it's just this unique medium that allows you to do that. Whereas with the live action, you just, but it's, they, there's it's, no possible yeah. way, but it's also the creation of the spider verse in the sense that that's what yeah. they've done with the medium. They've changed each one of those is its own universe. That's it's, the whole point. Right. I mean, it's, it's exactly, just so, it's just so meshed together that you, and it makes and they have, really, they have you as a translator yeah. for that. Ah, so well, it, it, now we'll understand. It does. It makes for a really fun kind of yeah. playful uh, scenarios that happen. Exactly. And there's no other way they could have done it without animation, which is why it's so revolutionary. Right. And now they have Lego in this one, which I didn't know. Well, just that's, so cool. that's yeah. what I said about fiction what yeah. you can do today you could only imagine back when i was a kid and watching uh these uh spaceships hanging by wires yeah. you know and doing that and i was just waiting for cgi to come in and all this stuff to where anything you can think of they can make it appear yeah. mm -hmm. totally and so here's here's the thing i've been hearing like in reviews and things like that is mm -hmm. is that this one some people are calling the greatest animated movie of all time it is the most gorgeous film i've seen in my entire life the way the way that they use backdrops is insane because not only do they use coloration of the characters differently because in some of the universes the colors switch it's hard to explain but like the entire color of the character in like their outfit and everything changes but they're using that and using color theory to explain seer like to explain scenes as they're happening behind the characters if there's a really tense moment going on in Gwen Stacy's universe, for example, what will happen several times throughout the film is that her, the colors of the scene will start to wash down and look into like a watercolor sequence, like a watercolor scene. And as it gets more intense, the colors get more intense. They're using color theory in the movie and it's really, really cool. Would a colorblind color guy appreciate it? But they're using color. Oh. And you'd think it was just a backdrop. Yeah, we we've already talked about your colorblindness on the show, Reed. Yeah, I know. That's just didn't we when you went into the I'm gonna miss out on that's a in, shame. Did you hear that he went into the wrong car once because he didn't know what color it was? Sat in the could not, not trying to start. Could. I had the key to the other car next to it. <laughs> trying to start it. Going, Why is this not starting? <laughs> I called Kevin. At, no, I called. Yeah, I called you at five and one. Yeah, because you and knew then I would he answer. got Kevin up and Kevin got his wife up and all said, "What? It, you're in the wrong car." <laughs> so my colorblind spider verse failed me. Ah, it, was, it was miserable. That's a shame. I got there in time. That's well, if, if you guys made it to this point in the podcast, we are at 279 subscribers and round double that uh, for people that have listened to the show. So thank you. Which, for some reason, I want to get that number above 300. Which podcast is this? Which, right. which session is this? Which number? Yeah. Number 27. This is ooh. episode 27. I'm okay. honored. So I, I want to get that number above 300. So invitation is, please, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show. We'd love it if you did that. Even better if you can share it with somebody you love, um, somebody that might benefit from this. Somebody they know. Yeah. To get on. Mm -hmm. We'll double yeah. it. We'll double it in a month. And you know what? Share it with somebody and tell me how that went because we are getting some merch. And I might what? send some merch. I might send some merch your way if if you share Ooh, a really cool story right. with me. Lauren did ask who did the artwork, and I couldn't remember. That I was Joel Boreen. That was my guess. guess. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So he he did an awesome job with it. And 
Yep. So we we might be having some merch, or definitely are having some merch coming. And, so and is the Spider Verse going to be at the after hours? Oh yeah, because we're we're, we're doing we're doing fun. we're doing a podcast where we just talk about nerdy stuff. So <laughs> you can always invite me back. I will talk about the Spider Verse for an hour straight if needs be. <laughs> Please. I think can we at least invite you back uh, over winter break and then we can uh, talk about what color <laughs> you're wearing. Yeah, what color shirt you're going to wear? Do You thought I'd forget. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Till next time. This episode of the Connection Podcast. We're on most podcast carriers, so please like and subscribe. The show's art is done by Joel Boreen, and the music is provided by Drew Boreen. We look forward to connecting to you next time. Until then, take care.